Sober Experiment podcast by Be Sober with Alex and Lisa. Season three is sponsored by IPHM, an accreditation board for holistic therapists and training providers around the world. I'm Alex, one half of the Sober Experiment. And I'm Lisa, the other half. Morning. Good morning. We haven't had a proper chat yet, have we? No, we haven't, me and you. Have we not? Yeah, we have, Alex. We've spoke at exercise classes morning looking. Yeah, but that one. Then you phoned me afterwards. You phoned me that twice afterwards. Then we've just done a full podcast and it's only half 11. Like, yeah, but I've missed <laughs> you. Yeah. phone call. <laughs> yeah, but I've proper missed you. Can we just talk about the fact that I've passed my exam for being a trainer? Yes, you can go for it. Yeah, like I've I've passed my exam being a trainer. What kind <laughs> of trainer? Like a fitness trainer, personal trainer. How exciting is that? You're amazing, actually, Alex. Because you know, it's not like we've not got enough going on. You've <laughs> now decided that you want to be a personal trainer. Um, why did I do that? You know what it is. It's because they, honestly, we're all like this, and I bet our listeners are like this as well. You know, when we get our minds set on something, very excessive. That's why we drank too much, all or nothing, in it. Yeah, and I think the thing is as well, genuinely, when Joe started offering fitness classes in the group, and then obviously Joe's not with us anymore, so you and me have gone in. I just wanted to make sure I can do it properly. You know, like not give them a half job, not give them something that isn't well thought through. Yeah. Give them something that they're really going to value in the in the membership. And they do love it. They I'm love so the mornings, aren't they? I've Where you going? Let my, I've got to let my dog in. He's scratching at the bloody dog. You can't let the dog in. But it's like on our membership, I'll carry on talking and twaffling on. And anyone who's listening won't even know she's gone. She's back now, see? <laughs> 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 dog's in jeffrey's in probably fighting somewhere in the kitchen <laughs> oh, stinks he did it again yesterday so bad <laughs> but I, I really wanted to our monday wednesday and friday mornings they're lovely aren't they it's only a small group of us and they really are lovely they kickstart your day it just fills yeah, you with yeah. like energy and joy it's lovely it is really nice and it's all included in your membership it is. That is a. This is a membership plug. Sorry, I did not realise. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, though, genuinely, our membership um, is still. We've still got the introductory offer on joining until the end of April. So if you are thinking of joining, if you're signing up before the end of April, that sign up is still nineteen ninety nine, um, and then it will always be nine. Well, I say always, always for now, be nine ninety nine a month. Um, you do get a lot for your membership. So please have a look on our website, um, Join Be Sober, and it's in www.besoberofficial.com. Today's guest. Yes. Well, we've just had a lovely time. Honestly, the conversation, they're always brilliant conversations, but this one went on for absolutely ages. I say, I cut them short normally, as in, I'd say about 45 minutes, let's get that done, let's get it in for an hour. I could have talked to this What guy. time did we start? At like half ten, we, we went yeah, well for so an hour. Oh, I can't work out the time. Half ten. So oh, the whole yeah. podcast is about an hour normally, fifty minutes to an hour. But that conversation itself was an hour plus this bit. Oh, it was so well. We better shut up then. Oh, no. Let's introduce Nick. Here he is. Hi, Nick. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. It's good, thanks, Alex. Yeah. Yeah. What thanks. have you been up to in this uh, wonderful release from lockdown? Sorry, Lisa, you were going to say something. You have to wait a minute now. It's all right. I'll wait. Go on, Nick. What have you been up to? <laughs> uh, well, I've had a haircut for a start, so it's good timing. Yeah. 
yeah, if I, if I were to do this a couple of days before, I'd have an absolute barn it. Um, but yeah, they've got the sheep shearers out, so they've sorted that out. So yeah, making the most of it's good. I've still got a proper mullet at the moment, but I quite like it. I think I'm rocking it quite well. <laughs> oh, I'm loving this. I've had my eyebrows done, went on the sunbed, nails being done tomorrow. Look how tragic they are. That's oh, like perfect. Th- no, today they've been done today. I was going to say it's a good job they didn't look like that on Monday when we went on the camera because they weren't that bad on Monday. No, I know I've been trying to pick them off for today. But um, oh. anyway, Nick, I'm really excited to have you on. I can't remember, right, why or how I found you. You did but it on Instagram. No, I know it was Instagram because that's what I mean. As soon as I saw you somewhere else, do you know Wise Up? Could it have yeah. been through them? Yeah, they we follow each other, yeah. yeah. It Mark might have been through and, yeah. them. But I saw your Instagram and I was like, we need to get him on our podcast because I just loved it. I was stalking it again last night because it was just <laughs> so funny. And then I didn't know what your real voice were like because you do like the TikTok. So I'm like, I, I know. know what it sounds like in real life. I yeah, think he might sound like Cornish a joke accent, as well, eh? You know, like, what if he comes on and he's like, hi! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, not, not quite that, but yeah. Yeah, everyone <laughs> says that. There was a big thing on um, on Twitter as well, and it was a big thing for a while. It's like, what, what, what does this actual voice sound like? And then when people hear it, it's just, uh, it's just pretty boring. Yeah, no, standard it's Cornish a lovely accent, voice. But... You've got a lovely oh, voice, Nick. Thanks, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> We always get on to voices or accents or something, don't we? All the time we manage to get round to it because we, I'm not as bad as I used to be because my accents changed slightly. You know, just before we started recording, you said we sound similar. <laughs> I'm but, not as bad as I used to be because I don't sound <laughs> like that anymore. Is this where this is going? No, no, I meant as in I'm not as worried anymore because I remember when you say, you're always saying I sound dead common. I'm like, no, you don't. You don't sound common. You sound northern. Not all northerners are commoners, are they? We're not. Right. But we? you do both sound northern. I mean, that's undeniable, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, come on, let's about writing. Yeah, sorry. Let's let's talk about your your story and are you all right sharing everything and anything with us? Ask me anything you want, yeah. 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 Do you want to just talk us through what brought you to the point of your Instagram, I guess? Yeah, so uh I yeah, so I was a Camperdown addict for twelve years, um, from two thousand seven to two thousand nineteen. Um tried to quit you know numerous times through that period and occasionally would get to I don't know maybe a few months here and there off not gambling uh, but never obviously lasting and then if in the periods where I wouldn't gamble I would then go in mainly 12 years and then um I set up so I went to I had therapy arranged um and as part of that they recommended I do a, a journal like it's part of recovery and stuff, just putting your thoughts down and whatever. And I thought, well, if I'm, if even if I was to do that, I probably wouldn't stick to it. You know, I thought I might do it for like yeah. a week or a couple of weeks, and obviously would wear off. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll start a Twitter account because I had a personal one anyway. Um, I had like a hundred followers after 15 years, whatever, just daily ramblings about whatever. So for a while, I liked Twitter anyway. So I'll, I'll do that. And, um, it was much the same, really. It was just for myself, you know, it wasn't to help people, it wasn't to whatever. But gradually, you know, I just started to interact with people and learn from people and stuff. And 
Um, then I put a tweet out in August. So that was eight months into recovery. And you can do this thing called an access request, which goes through all of the, so it's like your whole um, account history of all the bookies, you know, for the whole 12 years. Uh, and so I was in complete denial, obviously, even though I was still in recovery, I had this thing in my mind of, well, I don't, I knew what I'd lost emotionally relationships and, you know, stuff, but I always wanted to know, but was scared to know how much money I'd lost. Cause it's not financial addiction in it. You lose more important stuff, but it was still that big yeah. thing of, what did I lose? And I needed the number. So I did that and it turned out to be £447,000. Um, oh my God. I so don't know I mean, and, and it, probably more than that because that was just for the websites, but I went to Las Vegas nine times, you know, since so you're talking half a million. Um, and I just put a tweet out just again, like a normal, didn't expect it to be read by anyone. And it just went viral. I had like 20,000 retweets and blah, blah, blah. Wow. And from that then, I had loads of people message saying, look, I'm in the same situation, mate, or my boyfriend is in the same position, or my husband is you, blah, blah, blah. So I, you know, I, I, without sounding too like spiritual, I felt like a sense of mission. And I was like, right, I, I, I can try and help people now because that was the, the moment where I felt recovered. You know, rather than just recovering, I felt recovered because yeah. I finally saw it and thought, right, that is the amount. I'm never adding a single penny to that. That is what it is, right? So I had a lot more confidence in recovery and stuff. And, you know, for the first time, really felt sort of honest to myself. I'd never bet again. You know, whereas before that, I was always sort of like, well, you know, maybe I could, and whatever. It Just gives one. you that accountability, doesn't it? When you decide and make that decision right. to help other people. I kind of did that with sobriety, the same thing. It was like people were so interested. I was like, oh, I could really help people here. So there's no way I could go back now. <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah. you, didn't it, Lisa? Like people were just messaging you. Before I got sober, people were just messaging you. And then when I got sober and we set this up, it was it was just it was easy to do because we Lisa was already authentically doing it. So it wasn't like, oh, let's go and help people. She was already doing it, including Can I me. Just ask you, Nick, I'm sorry. I just want to go back to the beginning a bit because like this gambling, it it really intrigues me. I had a moment when um we we've said before we were brought up in pubs, Alex and I, separate ones, but our mum and dad's had pubs. And I genuinely remember the first time going on a slot machine and somebody coming over and pressing all these buttons and all the lights flashing and me winning like this money thinking, oh my God, that was really easy. Um, We had a slot machine in the pub and I've never really spoken about this, but we had a slot machine in the pub and I started kind of just putting the odd pound in it. And I think like on a shift in the pub, them, them days, it was like 15 quid right and I remember going back to the bar and thinking I'll just take a couple of quid out of my shift and put it in and then thinking oh shit I nearly won then I'll just go and get another couple of quid because then I could dub and I remember that feeling and honestly I got to kind of a point where I were definitely taking more pound coins out of the till 
than I was earning in that shift and thinking like, I'll just win it back. I'll win it back and then put it back. And I, I kind of got hold of it quite early, but I remember like, it's making me feel dead anxious now thinking about that feeling of how it started and how bad it really could have got because it did get to quite a stage, but nothing like yours, obviously. But how did yours start? What What was the beginning of it? Uh, not like yours, actually. But it's interesting you say that because, you know, loads of the people I speak to, they say they started because they were in the summer amusements and, you know, yeah. the same thing. But that, I mean, I'm from Cornwall, so I just, because I sort of grew up around that, I, I don't know. Yeah. I just was never, maybe never that interested in or whatever. But um, so it was just that I did a rite of passage there. And I say like a rite of passage and I just in 18 you can have a bet. So me and the mate, we're on a break from sixth form. We were just walking through town at lunch and there was a match in the evening. And I remember the match. It was Arsenal and Middlesbrough. Um, my mate supported Arsenal. I supported Tottenham. So just to go against him really for a laugh, I put a tenner on Middlesbrough. They were like four to one underdogs. Um, and, you know, miraculously they won. And £10 turned into 40 so although obviously in a really small scale, in almost in almost every gambling addict you would speak to, they win their first bet. Yeah, I get that. Because you could, and yeah. then I guess you're chasing the the feeling of reward, then, aren't you? That that buzz you got yeah. from that first. It's it's kind of like the drinking, I guess. It was interesting how, and I don't know whether this was deliberate, how you spoke about he doing it and male. I always think of it as a more of a male issue than a female issue. Have you found that? Yeah, it, yeah, the majority is male, but um, increasingly it's becoming a female issue too. Because you know, you've, it, you tend to find it's different types of gambling. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I know I'm stereotyping massively, but not like negatively. But you would tend to find that males would perhaps be more inclined to bet on like sports and casinos. Yeah. Whereas there's a big rise in women, um, you know, I speak to a few like women awareness campaigners for gambling stuff and they talk about the rise in bingo. You know, if you're watching like yeah. uh, Lorraine in the morning, there'll be an advert for like Foxy Bingo or do you know, it's like nine o'clock in the morning. So and then, yeah, and there's been so many cases I've read and people have spoke to me where, you know, they would they would drop the kids off at school, they would get home they're bored and perhaps lonely you know particularly in lockdown and they just on the bingo you know or, or whatever it might be so it is i would say still a mainly male addiction but it's definitely becoming more of a female problem too it's easy now as well isn't it with everything being online you can do everything online the lottery like you know like you've just said bingo i didn't even think about bingo did you think about bingo lisa yeah i didn't even think about <laughs> it I didn't, yeah. yeah i played bingo online I reckon, honestly, like, because that happened really early on to me, I remember thinking, even when I was, like, 17, like, oh, I've got an addictive personality. That's what I thought. I kind of labelled myself with that straight away because I got on top of it. But, yeah, I did think about stuff, like, only because I've heard people doing. But when did it kind of get bad for you, Nicole? When did it go from an odd bet with your mates to, like, trying to find the money that you perhaps didn't have? Yeah, it was actually gradual. Um, it's funny you say about the addictive personality as well, because I 
I've never regarded myself as having that, you know? So I, you know, I just didn't, particularly like substances, whatever, you know, yeah. I just never, never drink or drugs or whatever. I was like, nah. So, you know, it almost crept up on me. And it, it developed over a couple of years where I would still only bet semi-regularly big tournaments or big matches, whatever. And it was still more of a social thing, but it was when I went to uni and then in 2007, um, I opened my first online account. And from there then, so it, it was, it was uh, November or December 2007, I opened my first online account. And I was in the last year of uni. So I had like seven, eight months to go. By the July, I was already in full ground of debt. So it had gone from just being a social thing, you know, on big games to suddenly opening it online. You've got 24 7 access to it. You can do it without people knowing because there's a lot of, you know, still taboo. You don't want to be seen doing it. I could just casually do it in the, you know, I I would bet in lectures at uni. You know, I'd be back to the hall just betting on lectures. And then gradually, uh, well, gradually developed over a few years but yeah it was the online account then it just spiked and then it just got worse and worse and snowballed and snowballed but but as I said just going back to what I said a minute ago the first bet is so important because before the age of 25 as well you know the 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 like science behind it frontal cortex is still developing which is decision making it's reward behavior and stuff and um you know, my brain, the first exposure it ever had to gamble, it was like, it, it works, yeah. right? It pays off. And it's just, it, connections are formed. And it, the, the longer, you know, you reinforce these connections. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how it compares to alcohol, but I, I guess I do, obviously. But, um, you know, with gambling, you're getting a constant positive reinforcement as well. Yeah. People think that gambling and addicts are you, like, you're just a bad gambler. So no, no, you 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 win all the time. We well, not all the time, but you know you win a lot. Yeah. But, but it's not about the winning. You know you think it's about the winning, but it's just you're after the risk, the anticipation. That's what you become addicted to. It's making me anxious. This conversation. <laughs> it sounds similar. Good thing. <laughs> it sounds similar though, in a lot of ways, to alcohol addiction. There's a lot of you know all the stuff about the prefrontal cortex and the actual emotional addiction and so on and the, and the dopamine release and the anticipation of winning and the risk-taking all of that I guess what's completely different is with alcohol you know it is a f- something you become physically dependent on we know it's an addictive substance but there's nothing to say that you aren't becoming physically dependent on the chemicals being released by your own behavior you know so right. I don't know if there are many differences yeah I, I I would agree with that you know it's it's referred to you know, if you look at, say, the two or two of the main behavioural addictions, like sex and gambling, well, they both rely on a chemical yeah. release of some kind, right? Yeah. So, again, you, you, you are. There, there's, there's chemistry behind it in the same way that the alcohol, the drugs would affect your brain, the gambling and, you know, whatever else. So I, I think they all work in the same way. And it still has the same social impact, doesn't it? You know, like or a very similar social impact where, you know, alcohol, it's been it's been recently classified as the most harmful drug because of the damage it does to society. Obviously, there's 
with wider issues, drink driving, injury, crime, violence, all of those things. But I guess if you're desperate enough and you're gambling and you are addicted, that's going to impact life as well, yeah? Yeah, it impacts every part of life. And the, the problem with, one of the biggest problems with gambling addiction, you know, there's a great podcast called The Invisible Addiction. You know, one of my people I know, Alex Lewis. Um, and he, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great term because I guess to a degree with alcohol, people can be aware of it. It's harder to cover up. You become pretty good at it. Yeah. But it's, yeah. but it's, you know, there are some more physical symptoms where I could be gambling at work, on a night out, at a restaurant table, in the car, and nobody knows unless they're looking, you know, at your phone. So you're just in like a social setting, you're sort of there, but you're not there, you yeah. know, because you're, you're essentially, it turns you into such a good liar because you're always covering up your behavior. You know, no one ever really knows what you're doing. And, um, you know, you it's one of the early signs that, you know, people become addicted. You then start to prioritize gambling ahead of socializing. Yeah. You know, so I don't want to go out tonight because I need to be there to do the in-play bets. I need to manage all of that stuff. Or you're so pissed off that you've lost the bet, you don't want to go out. Or you're so yeah. anxious about the next one, you don't want to go out, whatever. It's, it's perfect mix of sort of anxiety and depression. It's like the bet you've just had or the bet you've got coming up. And I guess even if people do spot you gambling on your phone, that it's not the same as when you, if, if you spotted somebody taking a bit of vodka out of the bag and having a sneaky drink, is it? The reaction would just be, oh, well, he's gambling. Unless they actually suspected that it was an issue for you. And I bet the reaction's just like, so he's gambling. It's not a big deal. Yeah. And I, you know, I, you know, it's essentially was like emotionally deceitful to everyone I was ever with, really, friends, family, partners, because I would always tell them just enough, right? So they knew I gambled, so I didn't have to hide it completely. Yeah. But I'd always tell them just enough. And I'd almost like allow myself, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm just having a bet. But then they wouldn't know that I'd be betting every time I was in the toilet, you know, like why I was in the toilet for half an hour. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I was betting every day. So, um, yeah, it's just so easy to hide. And as you say, if people see it, they can see you're betting, but they can't see how much you're betting, how many bets you've got on, how much money you're putting in. And I'd imagine you just tell people when you are in that kind of situation, you probably, you only tell them about the wins rather than the losses. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, see again. So I, I sort of kidded myself that I was in control of it because I wouldn't really tell them about the wins either. Uh, I wouldn't, but I, so I would come into the office in the morning and just be in a good mood. Right. So I'm, I'm manager, manage the sales office and stuff. And, you know, looking back, it's, it's you know, I, I would come into the office some days in a really good mood, you know, and be really upbeat and try and energize people. And then I'd come into work some days and be a prick to people, yeah. you know, because I was pissed off about the night before. So, no one necessarily knew the reason why or the people may have suspected, but it, it, 
it dominates your mood, you know, because it has consequences beyond just the bet. It's the financial consequence of what you've just lost. And that must be so hard for the people around you because they just would have no idea and they'd see you like coming in dead happy and then coming in being really pissed off. Like you It's just a moody get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or right. you never know what mood he's gonna be in. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, exactly. I mean, living, you know, I I say it a lot, but you know, living with an addict is in some ways harder than than being an addict, you know, yeah. because we we know we're addicted. You know, we knew we were addicted deep down, whether we were ready to admit it or not. But for somebody who doesn't know what is going on, they say, you do just like, I can't get through to this guy. Like, what? Yeah. What's wrong with him? You know, and then they, they might start blaming himself or whatever, you know. Do you think enough's being done? Like, I, I was a teacher before I came into this. And I taught in a college. And once a year for one hour, we would talk about gambling. And obviously, I've not got any experience. Like, I, I even didn't even think about bingo. So, you know, very little being done from what, what I see. But do you, fa- do you think enough's being done before people get to the legal age where they can gamble to show what's... I mean, I know you'll be doing it, and it's hard to say, but is enough being done? Um, no, like, you know, you, you can always do more. There, there's some good work being done. Um, you know, I've had quite a few different um, academy trusts and stuff ask me to use the videos because they do it in PSHE yeah. um, in schools. And they said, can we use this and that? I said, yeah, absolutely. There is, um, there's a company called Epic and they go into schools. Um, I think WiseUp have done some of that stuff too. Yeah. You know, so there's a few different uh, groups and people who, who are trying to get the message across. But I think, like you said, Alex, you know, it's it needs to be authentic. Yeah. It, it needs to be authentic. So, you know, the term lived experience now is almost yeah. like getting, getting overused a bit. But it's so important if someone's talking about something like this. Because I know if I was in year 10, and listen someone to was me. well, yeah. Say, say, listen to you talking about gambling. I'd be like, right. What does she know? Yeah, like what was she on about? Like she using all the wrong terminology, wrong language, and stuff. Yeah. And, and it's the same, you know. If you were you two were to do the part, and you know you've never touched a drink in your life, it'd be like, what do they know? It's so you know? true. Nick, when when did it get to the point where you realised like? I've got to sort this out. Was it you that realised or did somebody else kind of? Intervention time, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, There was, well, so I I knew I was addicted or sort of, you know, realised in 2012. So, you know, I realised that. fairly early on I mean it took a few years but you know I was convinced by that point I was because I developed alopecia so you know it all my hair fell out it started as a 5p became a 20p a 10p a 50p and then it was like size for fist on the side of my head um but again I just managed to just say like a stress from work or you know whatever um so I managed to cover up but that was the point where I knew I needed to confront it and then started to, um, you know, at least try and manage my debts and whatever. And again, I was successful with that for a little period, 
but my debts didn't peak until 2016. Um, it's about 20k in debt at the time, and I'd lost a relationship who you know she knew but didn't know the full details. Then I started another relationship about 18 months later, and that was the point then where you know my gambling maybe reduced a little bit, you know, because um you know, I wanted to be more honest and stuff and to a degree revealed stuff to her, but it didn't last long because I'd have a stressful period at work again or something would happen, you know, a family issue, whatever. It was always a coping mechanism to gamble. And I guess similar to alcohol, if I had a really bad day at work, I work in sales as well. And it's interesting. I had a guy on recently and he was talking about the same thing, right? Yeah, um, was it was it Darren? Darren, yeah. And yeah. He, yeah. And he was saying he, he would always um, you know, he'd be at different airports drinking off the free bar and stuff, right? Yeah. And it, it there's there's something with a sales career because it, you're really competitive, you know, and it's often people in sales or people who have played sport at a high level, they're really susceptible to gambling because again, they 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 need that win. So yeah. if I had a bad day at work or the office didn't do well one day, I would go home and think, right, I need to get a win. Like, where can I get a win from? Right, I know. It's an eight o'clock kickoff. But then equally, then if I had a really good day, we'd finish at six, you know, go out for a drink, be home for, say, seven or eight or whatever. And I was like, right, okay, this is flat. How can I pick my night up again? I need to keep winning. Like, I've got momentum now. I want to keep this buzz going. Yeah. so you, you, it was like the perfect storm you would come alive away um and it was part of that coping mechanism where it finally sort of reached um reached the head if you like i was going to say reach rock bottom but i didn't reach rock bottom until i was in recovery right. weirdly okay. um but I'd, I'd reached the lowest point of my active addiction and my dad was in hospital for a month and my parents are divorced. My brother is an older man, you know, so I was like the primary care, if you like. So I was in hospital every day and I was getting a, a bonus from work come in, like an annual bonus type thing uh, of 10 grand. And I did the 10 grand in like four or five days of hospital visits. Um, oh, and it, it, it was that point then where, the 10k was meant to be used for a deposit to a house with me and my partner. Like we'd identified a house we wanted, you know, we were almost ready to go. And it was that point. It's like, right, but the money's gone. Told her a little bit, but not really in that much detail, but revealed, you know, to an extent, some of the problems. She then was distraught. And I was on club nine. I thought I've just revealed it. That's it. Like I, there you go. Take my take my baggage. Oh yeah, you deal with that. I've admitted right. the problem. Yeah, and like now yeah, it's going to so go you, away. Yeah, yeah. You deal with it, and I couldn't I understand why she was upset. Than we realise, actually. Really I've talked about it. that. I've talked about that with my dad. Like when yeah. I used to say to him, "Just tell us you're an alcoholic. Just tell us you're an alcoholic." And then he'd go, "Yeah, I'm an alcoholic. So what?" Like, and I I took that literally. When you admit you've got a problem, that's the first step. But it really isn't, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, and, it, and it, it's definitely not because then her, you know, 
a few hours later, she came in the room and said, right, um, it, it's me the gambling. Because, all right, you know, we're, we're done. If you play some other bear, like, you need to promise me never going to do it. And in my initial reaction, you know, I was so deep into addiction. And after 12 years of doing it every day, betting every day for 12 years, pretty much, you know, if you average it out. And so I'd had a few periods where I didn't bet, but I would just make it up, you know, for points. So being an active gambler for 12 years, she gave me the ultimatum and I chose to gamble. Yeah. So I let, I let her walk out, came home the next day from work, all the stuff was gone. And it took a few days for the pennies to drop to be like, what the fuck have you done? Yeah. You know, it's like, right, you're going to lose something actually important for gambling. Um, so that's what, what sort of triggered the recovery, really. But we um, sort of got back together, but then we ended up, uh, you know, the damage had been done, you know, yeah. by my lie, yeah. by my lies and stuff. The trust was gone. So it wasn't until, um, let's say, the, the August where I finally dealt with it. So that was in, like, December. Um, which what I say to people is similar to, like, right, there you go. Have that. I'm good. So you, the first few months of recovery from addiction, any addiction, are so important because it's so easy to get complacent because you're enjoying, you know, some good stuff. But that's sort of when you're most vulnerable as well. Yeah, definitely. As I agree with that fully. And and it's interesting how you said how even when you knew it took like eight months because that's very similar to me. I kind of stopped drinking in the August and then started again. And it took me till the following June to finally get my shit together and go, that's it, enough's enough. I had to do more damage before I really saw the damage that I'd done. I, I'm interested to, if you don't mind sharing, to know what, what you said meant by you hit your rock bottom in recovery. So, um, so I, I, I was in, so I put a message out the other day on, on my Instagram, it was abstinence is not recovery. You know, it's like I, I wasn't gambling, but I hadn't dealt with the addiction at all, right? Yeah. So we'd moved, uh, you know, we managed to work things out and then we put an offer in on another house a few months later. And then at the start of lockdown, I was just in a flat, but then we said, well, look, it's lockdown. Let's save money. Let's all be together. And we moved in with uh, her parents, right, um, in lockdown. And there was so much going on. Can you remember like in March, first lockdown? I thought I thought the world was ending. You know, it's like, you know, everyone was properly, it was like, right, we don't know what's going on here. Right? Yeah, that so was the proper, it's, it's proper lockdown, one of the yeah. first one. Like the streets were empty, weren't they? It yeah. was like a real one. <laughs> and you weren't, and because of that then, I wasn't speaking to anybody. Yeah. So like at the time where I should have been, having been, basically lying for over a decade yeah you know I, I i it was the time i should have been talking but i was trying to be like the man of the house if you like yeah and being like right there's bigger problems in my gambling i've sorted that and all it ended up doing was i was just isolating myself further and further and further and then i threw myself into work too much as a distraction yeah and anyway it just built up and built up and we were due to move into a, a house in in the july and then in mid-June, you know, one day I just woke up and was like, no, I can't do this. You know, just completely self-sabotaged. Yeah. You know, which is 
what addicts do you know yeah. class classic self-sabotage so um you know even though i wasn't in addiction because i hadn't dealt with it in the right way in recovery and confronted actually what you know what my legacy of it was for the rest of it i was still acting the same way even though i wasn't gambling yeah it's so interesting isn't it that actually the more you've talked about this obviously i've got a massive under massively bigger understanding just from this conversation but it is there's so many similarities i can't it is the same i, I always thought oh gambling addicts that, that's different than drink or drugs that's a worse addiction and it's really not it's an addiction it's a compulsion and the damage is the same I, I don't know why um because for me i found stopping drinking relatively easy once i'd made that made that decision but i feel like something like gambling and i'm not saying this for everyone but just for me i'd find that so much harder because i think it's the Having like every time you get a spare minute, like you said, you were doing it when you went to the toilet, you were doing it, you've got your phone yeah. with you like all the flipping time. So it it would just be so easy to go on. So what do you do instead now? That's what people said to me. What do you do? You don't drink. What do you do? What what do you do, Nick? Now <laughs> don't say drink. <laughs> no, no. no I don't, I don't, well, I, I, I'm not teetotal, but, um, I, so the reason, uh, you know, I was keen to come on to speak to you guys as well is, so I, I, as part of then, aim up into recovery when I finally dealt with it, you know, and, you know, trying to then deal with the legacy of everything, you know, as the relationships are gone and, you know, I was looking over the full 12 years, but I'm right. What have I actually done? Where am I? And, uh, I, like my parents never knew, you know. So I, t- I remember telling my mum, you know, I was bricking it, you know, going over to tell my mum. And and she was great. She was amazing. But the one thing she said was, like, I'm just really worried now. You can replace one addiction with another. Yeah. You know? And so I just, and and I went out on a couple of big benders in the summer. And I thought, yeah, this this is dangerous. This is dangerous. So I thought, right, I'm just going to take a period of not drinking. Like, I'm enjoying finally in my life having a bit of clarity of thought yeah you know and and being more present and like self-care and stuff and I thought yeah this this could go this could go left pretty quickly so I went sober for four months um from uh the August till Christmas um and even now like I you know I've never been a big home drinker anyway so yeah. through lockdown you know I wasn't wasn't drinking much at all um got your question sorry it's mad how it just kind of like it is all connected in it like the the gambling and like you said replacing one thing with another you said before about like throwing yourself into work that's something that I did when that's an addiction isn't it yeah yeah definitely I just I just think it's a a really really like I don't I, I can just feel it. it like I've never thought about how I used to feel when I was younger and I used to be and I know it's not massive compared to other people but I remember the anxiety around it and the nervousness and the it, it was just awful and I just think it's just such a I don't think people realize how bad a gambling addiction can be well that's what I was trying to say before I think I saw it as well that's not 
Not now that it's not a real addiction, because I know it's a real addiction, but until speaking to you, I didn't realize how invested your whole life is in. I mean, we've spoken to Mark from Wise Up, but we didn't get the, the nitty gritty like this. And I, and I didn't realize how emotionally invested and how dependent that is it. It's dependency. You're dependent on it. You know, going to the toilet, sitting in a restaurant, all of that. And I think just to say what Lisa was saying, she was just asking, well, what do you do? What do you do instead now? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do use the phrase that recovery needs redirection. You know, you yeah. do need something to yeah. to do with your, your time and stuff. But, you know, I started learning the guitar a little bit. You know, I'm not, hey. not, not musical at all. But, um, you know, I started doing that in the early stages because, you know, if you learn a difficult skill, in recovery it will go some way to giving you a reward it's like right i'm getting a little bit better like this is good and it just something to take your time with it but i think you know genuinely what i do you know is i i know it's going to sound like really self-care right so i just i treat myself better and you know i've always quite liked cooking but i would cook and i would invariably fuck the meal up or burn the meal or whatever because i was on my phone yeah. checking the score checking the score can i cash out of this or should i double up on that you know so i'd be stirring the pot with one hand and betting with the other you know so just anything i do now i just try and try and be present like get off the phone you know I, i've got the obviously the gambling guard socials and stuff but get off the phone more because the phone was always in their hand because you needed it there yeah you needed to know where your bet was at. Um, and just generally being more interesting in other people too, you know, yeah. it, it, it makes you so selfish. Um, you know, my friends take the piss now because, you know, my, my catchphrase now is good for you. <laughs> so I, and I, but, I, but I never meant that before. Someone would say something good to me. I'd be like, all right, cool. You know, but I've just yeah. lost a bit, mate, so I don't care. It's like I'm genuinely interested in people now. So, you know, pleased that people are doing well and I want to, I want to see people doing well because, you know, you're finally in that position yourself, you know. It just makes you a better person, doesn't it? I think, like you said, being more present, phoning people to say hi that you perhaps wouldn't have done before. Like, I just, I love it. I say this all the time. Like, it's getting... going to do it. (laughs) But honestly, like, coming out and and stopping drinking for me has been so life-changing. Like, I love it. I just love every single... There's never a day, right, I don't get up and think, I well love being sober. I love everything about it. It makes me happier. It makes me more present. It makes me do things like this and get to meet people like you. It's just amazing and when you're saying about self-care I was at Alex's the other day and I was like you need to be doing more stuff for yourself Alex because she doesn't do enough and then I played the guitar as well that's what I was saying at I I took up the guitar again and I'm like you do need to be like have that self-care and then I thought about it and I was like god I am so fucking kind to myself (laughs) (laughs) she really is too kind she took my share Good for you. Good for you. She actually is, though. She's really good at self care. The other thing is because, and I mean this in such a positive way, I hope it comes across more positive than I'm saying it. Oh, no, no. I'm don't be scared. I promise you. <laughs> she's such an unstoppable force. Like, I went sober because I saw her living it up and loving it. 
her mum went sober because she wanted a piece of what she's got. Then because I got a piece of what she's got, my husband went sober to get a piece of what I've got. It's like a ripple effect. And that's why we love it so much because everyone around us gets a bit of that buzz. Do you know what I mean? And you must well, be having right, the same so, Yeah, so, so get this. So, um, so I live in Cornwall, right? And one of the guys who uh, I work with, he lives in Boston, um, Lincolnshire, right? Um, but he does for remote work for us, driving around to different clients and stuff. So he lives in Boston. And I hadn't told anyone. After I sent the tweet that sort of exploded, um, I hadn't told anyone. So it's like, look, you know, people are going to find it. It's like, it's me. Started to doing the vid- started doing the videos. It's like, I'm not hiding it. You can clearly see it's me. So I owned it for the first time because I wasn't ashamed of it. But I didn't tell anyone. And then he uh, he plays football. And one day I got this text for him. And he's like, mate, you're not going to believe this. He was like, right, I'm at football training. Um, he was, sorry. It was always like a football tournament or something. And he said, one of the lads in the um, changing rooms basically broke down and said, look, lads, I've got this problem, you know, with gambling, blah, blah, blah. And I've seen, and someone said, oh, where's all this come from? And they said, I've just seen this tweet, which was my tweet. And they were sharing around the changing room. Oh, and wow. they, he, the lad who had saw it, showed it to my mate and was like, it said like his heart freeze. He's like, fucking hell. <laughs> that's and I, that's Nick. That's my mate. <laughs> that's Nick. Yeah. And then all, all of the football team, they said then self excluded, or there's this, uh, service or whatever you want to call it called GamStop which excludes you from all of the UK bookmaker sites right and he said they all they all did it there and then I was oh, like, that's no, it's like oh I'm me but it's like like you said you know so Lisa becomes Alex becomes Alex's husband becomes yeah. probably his mate at work becomes his son it you really know it's, just, does. it's contagious and I think it's contagious because it's it's I look at do you. I don't know if you you are the same, right? You look at photos of yourself from before, and you're smiling, but oh, like you know, dead behind the eyes, you're yeah, dead yeah. Behind the eyes, yeah. Whereas we, it's just more, it's so much more genuine. Do you know on that that there's this, another sober account of fire? It's really good. Um, Megan, do you do you know Megan? I positively Meg. Oh. Yeah, she she changed her name. You, we, oh, what was she called? I do know what you mean. Yes, but she uh, had a different name at the beginning. I think. Oh, uh, did she? Yeah, positively Meg yeah. or something in it. And she did this uh, video the other day, and it was similar. It was like showing her at her worst when she was this party girl and stuff. And then now, and you just look at it and think, well, yeah, you like you do look so much happier. Right? It's crazy. Yeah, because yeah, it's not just. Sorry. It's not like I always thought. Like people, when they stopped drinking, it was because of the that the alcohol was out of the system, so they looked like fresher or better. But it's not, is it? It's just like that inner genuine glow yeah. that just kind of shines out, and that happens with everything. I actually proper love your Instagram, right? Like, and what we get commented on all the time with our podcast is how we cover such like deep topics but still have like that sense of humor and I think that's what you do with 
your Instagram, I think you help make recovery look really cool. Like, you know, it's all right. Like, look, you can do it and you can, you know, you have a laugh about things, but also you're covering something really serious. I just think it's so relatable. And I think you're doing just an incredible job. I think you should be really, really proud of yourself. And that with the football lads is just, that give me full goose pimples that, I think being loud and proud about it, it takes so much courage and people don't realise sometimes how much courage that takes because you've kept it a secret for so long to kind of give that release and help other people is like amazing. It really is. I've still got another question though, I'm sorry. I don't know if I'll come to the end, but I've got another question that has just popped in my head. I'm interested, right, because with drinking, people always say everywhere, it's in your face, it's, you can't avoid it. And it's, I'm not necessarily saying it's the same about gambling, but you've got to be so, you've got to self-lead. Like you just said, you unsubscribe from everywhere. You have to do that. Yeah. You have to unsubscribe. You have to take responsibility. Does that then, and this is a genuine interest, mean that all money things become quite, oh, can I do that? Can I not do that? You know, like, for example, stocks and shares it's not gambling but it's risk taking would that be something you'd go no I can't do that I'm not going to get involved in cryptocurrency is it like that as well yeah I yeah uh crypto stocks they they are gambling yeah you remember the 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 game stock thing a few weeks ago or about a month ago in America you know game stock and they all oh no the, the, the reddit forums and basically this one forum they all backed this stock and this hedge fund on wall street lost billions and anyway it was in the news and loads of people were in our the gambling community were talking about it like is it gambling like it is it is yeah, yeah. It is. you're putting money in in the hope of getting a financial outcome which is more than your stake right yeah. so it is it is it is gambling i i just uh like to be clean i think again so it's that authenticity or whatever i just i would i don't bet on anything you know so if someone if we were doing a sweepstake in the office on the grand national i wouldn't do it yeah you know yeah would i buy would i buy a lottery ticket no i would just do no forms of gambling because although i feel recovered or I, i am recovered i so it's not like right if i bought a lottery ticket i'm gonna end up Betting a, grand, betting a grand on Chelsea tonight. It's not that, but um, it's almost like a, I compare to this, this boxer called Floyd Mayweather, you know, who was unbeaten. And it's like, well, I'm protecting my own. It's like that. I'm, yeah. I'm unbeaten. I don't want anything because it's so, uh, you know, it feels so like, again, I sound really wanky, but because it feels pure, yeah. I don't want anything to feel like, oh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I've not had a bet in. 16 months apart from though I mean it was a grand national it's like when people say why don't you just have one drink or why don't you just have one glass of champagne and and to toast with like why would I now like we probably could now we probably could in truth yeah we we could of course I could same yeah get to that point and I really get that it's that pure you know in the first 12 months of my sobriety if I'd have even accidentally sipped a drink by it, oh I'd have been traumatized like no, no right. if I accidentally sip something I'd be like Ugh. 
and I wouldn't really want it. It wouldn't traumatise me. But in the first 12 months, I'd have been devastated because I felt so pure. <laughs> like yeah. it, it hadn't... Right, exactly. Yeah, so I totally, totally get that. Well, so you, I think, Lisa, it was you the other day, you, you would... Um... Sorry, I don't know if it's your husband or your ex-husband or whatever, but you're like, oh, oh, I don't, I, I don't, I'm all right. I just don't drink red wine. Yeah, it's yeah, like, that was right? my it's ex-husband. Like, yeah, so like that, I could, I, it's, it's, you know, she said, Alex, it's like I could easily be like, I just don't put on sports anymore because that was my problem. You know, yeah. it's like, right, I can, you know, I can put a tenner in a sweepstake, like there's no issue, and it wouldn't jeopardize my recovery. But why? Why bother? Yeah, it's like I don't, I don't need it. I don't want it. I get happiness and contentment from other things. It's like it's not going to give me anything. I'm not chasing that anymore. You know, I'm not yeah. chasing something I don't have. I get it, and I think it's um, it, I think it's just worth it. You know, I was interested, genuinely interested in where's the line. You know, do some people say, well, investments are fine because that's not real gambling, but gambling is when you're actually putting a bet on. You know, the and grey area just, gambling. The grey like area gambling. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, like grey area drinkers, you know, like, do you know what I mean? That's like, if the kind yeah. of like extremes of the recovery, would some people say absolutely no money goes across to anything like that? And other people go, well, that's okay, but that's not okay. And I suppose, I suppose it is, it's personal preference, right? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, you know, I, I don't do any form of gambling at all. And I would include shares and stocks in there. Um, some people would, you know, and recovery is so unique. You, you know, and I don't preach, you know, as, as you said, Lisa, and thanks, you know, about the accounting to try and destigmatize it. It's just to, to yeah. show people the positivity of recovery. You know, I'm not going to tell you what to do or what not to do. So it's up to you. Um, but yeah, I can just share what has worked for me. Yeah, you do a good job at it. You really do. Before we do go, I want to ask you if anybody was listening now and thinking, I know that I've got a problem with this. Mm. They're in debt. They're on the rise. They've been lying to everybody. They cannot see a way out. Because I think I can imagine like people getting to that point of the money. I, I kept the, it's impossible. I cannot get it from anywhere. I don't know what I'm going to do. What can they do in that situation? Can they be helped? Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, I'm proof that you can. And there's so many people you know, who have beaten, beaten addiction, you know? Um, so a hundred percent, I break it down into three things. So it's acceptance and then accountability and then access. So acceptance, you have to, you know, it's, it's like the 12 steps thing, which I don't actually follow, but you know, you have to recognize, right. My life is chaotic. There is a better way, right? Yeah. So you have to acknowledge that and at least believe that change is possible. And then accountability, you have to tell people because as an addict, you're not worried about letting yourself down. So if you do take any steps, but you don't tell anyone, which I tried to do before, so well, I'm inevitably going to bet again because I'm only let myself down. And addiction yeah. is self-harm anyway, so it's like, well, it doesn't matter. Um, so you have to be completely honest with people because you've been lying for so long and just embrace the honesty. And then with access, there is um, so there are some really good tools. There's ways to to block all um, you know, the regulated UK bookmakers, there's ways to block going into casinos, there's various different schemes which anyone can message me for. Um, 
But yeah, fundamentally, you, gambling addiction makes you such a good liar. You just have to start talking to people. And if you don't do that, you know, and I've, I've seen it, I've had people message me and, and say, look, I'm ready to quit. I want to quit, but I'm just going to keep it, you know, between me. Yeah. But it's like, it's like, well, and I say to them, it's like, look, that, that's fine. But I, you know, in my opinion to you, I, I don't think your recovery will last because unless you are honest with other people and you actually have that accountability, then, you know, you, you will struggle. Oh, this is so the helpful. Same, Nick, again, when we, we were saying then about my ex-husband, what he did when he wanted to stop drinking is he actually went through the 12-step program. I've never done that. Um, admitted that he was an alcoholic, admitted that he was an alcoholic to me and his mom and all these other people, but yet kept a circle of friends that he told them he'd just stopped drinking because it made him feel better. And that's we always had them people. They'd be like, oh, you're still stopping drinking. Yeah, 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 I feel good. And I've done this and it's brilliant, it's brilliant. But always knew that when he was ready, he could just go back and get wasted, which he does. Um, that's so interesting, that, because you know what? I, I had this conversation twice this week on coaching calls as well, where people have said, I'm just not ready to tell them yet. And I'm like, yeah. look, I, the way I see it is there's red, amber and green people there's the people that you can tell your whole life story to. There's yeah. the people you can tell something to. And there's people you don't have to tell anything to, but you still need to say, I don't drink. Yeah. Because even those people need to know that you don't drink or there will always be an opportunity for somebody to say, just have one. And there's always the opportunity for you to take it. It's so interesting, that, oh, Lisa, that. And, yeah. I it's, agree. It's, it's, I agree. There's so many similarities, <laughs> isn't there? It's like, you know, and I just think like big, I know it's hard when you're in in that space and you, you're ashamed and you carry a lot of shame, I think, around it. But if you can just find the strength to kind of, it sounds so cliche and we don't normally say things like this, but if you can find the strength to kind of reach out and ask for that help, it is there, but you've got to want to do it, haven't you? You've got to reach out. And do it. You, you've 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 got to want to do it, and you, you need to. And this is what um, again, I don't preach. People can do what they want, but like for me, I think, I think oh, there, there's too much shame of addiction. Yeah, it's like look, remove remove the stigma. I I look at it like an illness, right? So if you caught COVID, you're not going to feel guilty, yeah. unless you were at, unless you're at like a rave or something, right? But. <laughs> But you're not going to feel guilty if you caught COVID. It's like, well, look, I, I became addicted. I couldn't control starting the addiction, but you can control stopping. Yeah. And, and if you can sort of, you know, break up those two thought processes and view it as an illness, then recovery should lead to remission. You know, I'm not going to be in recovery for the rest of my life. So like I feel recovered, not recovering. Yeah. So. We say that we say exactly the same that like you know we don't say we're in recovery because actually we feel fully healed and great. Uh, if people want to say they're in recovery, fine, that's their choice. But we say yeah. exactly the same that we're recovered, we're we're loving life, you know. And I say sober all the time because people say you shouldn't. They say it means boring or this or that. Or we did, we went and did something um, a bit of filming, didn't we, the other day? On Monday, it was like <laughs> try and stay away from the word sober, and I was like. <laughs> 
because this morning on your TV programme, there was somebody filming somebody in a beer garden going, how does that taste? Oh, delicious, that alcohol. But we won't say sober. What did I say it five times in my first sentence? She <laughs> <laughs> actually did, right, Nick? She actually did. Yeah, but but, yeah, I, but I went sober because sober people are bloody sober rocking sober <laughs> <laughs> I just think, like... My name is Lisa Soberson. <laughs> yeah. I just I might change it <laughs> but yeah I just think if we can say it the more the more we can talk about it the more we can speak about it the more it does remove that stigma around it and it stops like when people say oh have you stopped drinking yeah why well one either it's none of your business two I just wanted to I feel good there's lots of different reasons isn't there and that's what I mean you know what I Sorry, yeah. So the other day, literally at the weekend, right, um, on Saturday. So um, I went to your house and, you know, I was just chatting to the stage and stuff. And, you know, it was like, oh, how come you're 35? Like, how come, you know, you seem to have a good job? Like, how have you you in the house? Whereas before, I'd always give them a load of bullshit. I said, I I, I had a pretty severe gambling addiction for over a decade. And (laughs) he was just looking at me like, so I'm not saying it to make you feel awkward, mate. It's something you asked. So I, you know. It's so funny that, like, if you don't want to know the detail, get your nose out of my business and don't ask the yeah. question. I'm not going to be ashamed just because you... Well, yeah. it, right, exactly, because there's nothing to be ashamed about. Cause, and then if I didn't tell him that, I would have got in the car afterwards and be like, oh, managed to lie again to him, that's good. Yeah. And, then, and then you're just in that lying mindset again. It's like, well, look, you've asked me, so can I, can I see the bathroom now? Cool, like... It's proud of it as well. Like honestly, I tell everyone me, even if they aren't asked, I've told people in shops by accident that I don't drink. Like I must be so internally proud of it. And I always remember my mum saying this. We'd gone to a meditation class, and my mum was so proud of herself for stopping. <laughs> and she'd not gone to this meditation class for like a year, and then she says hi to this girl, and we sat there. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. I don't drink anymore. <laughs> this woman went, all right. And then she was like, why did I say that? I'm like, she's so proud of it. I love it when people ask, like, I, I, Lisa, I was telling Lisa last summer when I went into the shop near me, I bought a, a pack of Heineken Zeros, got to the counter, and the guy behind the counter just went, you do know they're alcohol free? Like a proper warning. And I was like, yeah, I don't drink. Like, <laughs> do you warn everybody about the four-win alcohol that they pick up? <laughs> I didn't right. say that bit. I didn't say that bit. But actually, it's so backward, isn't it? Like, you're warning me that I'm not going to get pissed from a poison. Yeah. But you didn't That's warn me about to to 10 bottles of wine. Yeah, you do know it's alcohol-free, don't you? Yep. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I get that. I get why they told you. Because... If I, when I was drinking, if I'd have picked up Heineken Heroes and got up, I'd have been well pissed off. I'd have been like, oh my God, I've got the non-alcoholic, what's the point of them? Yeah, yeah, I get it. But it's, I'm just saying it's flipped. It's so backward the way that we view the world, yeah. isn't it? And I get, and that's, I just want to credit Kate Bailey from Love Sober for the Red Amber Green. It's not actually my idea and I really don't want her to think I'd take that. I'm guilty about it. Yeah, for ages. <laughs> But, but it's, it's such a good way. No, it is such a good way, though. You know, like, it's, I'm not saying don't tell people just to, like, 
I don't drink or I don't drink because of my mental health or I don't drink because I had a miscarriage, my mental health did you know, there's different ways of telling the story is what I'm saying. But you can't yeah. you shouldn't avoid telling the story. That that is exactly the point you were making. Well, everyone. And proud, yeah. I'm the worst person. I don't eat meat either, right? Did you know that, Nick? I'm vegan. So- <laughs> I, I did know that, no. I wasn't until after I got sober. But that's what else I tell people. I'm like, don't drink. Oh, don't eat me. I just can't wait to tell people. But, what do you do? And they are genuinely intrigued as to what she does. You don't eat meat and you don't drink alcohol. It's as if you, it's as if before people imagined for 24 hours a day you were eating steak and red wine. That really wasn't yeah. the case. Right. You probably were. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honestly, you know. I've been so interested. Normally, we our conversation's a bit shorter than this, but we've gone on and on and on because it's just been such a genuinely, I do, yeah, I do. It's just been such a genuinely interesting conversation. Like I feel like I've learned loads, and you're just so genuine, like so open and genuine. It's been lovely talking to you. No, likewise. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah. And congratulations on your days as well. I think it's amazing. Keep up the hard work on your Instagram because I love it. I'm probably going to stalk it some more because it just makes me laugh. <laughs> I'm going to start talking it now because I haven't started it later. It's proper good. It's really good. And um, what we'll do is we'll put all your links and details on the description of this. So if you can send them to us and then everyone else will be able to find you as well. So thank you so much, Nick. We're going to stop recording, but don't go away. It's the end, but not the end. (laughs) See you later. Bye.